evening and welcome to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Very pleased to be here tonight in our continuing series of shows that are curated by our doctoral students uh, uh, this evening. Uh, Mala and Cindy are leading the way here. They will introduce themselves and introduce our very special guests and uh, we're anxious to get going. So Mala and Cindy, it's all up to you. And uh, oh, I should mention, my name is Tim Fredericks. I'm your host and Fran Gavin is joining us and he is the co-host of this program. All right, Mala and Cindy. So good evening. And on this edition of Leadership Matters, my colleague Mala and I will be discussing the benefits of inclusive programs in public education. Uh, my name is Cindy O'Brien and I'm currently a student at Centenary University enrolled in the Educational Leadership Doctoral Program. I've been in education for 18 years, serving as an eighth grade English teacher, and I also took on the role as a part-time dean of students for about four years. I have my supervisory cert as well as my principal certification through the state of New Jersey. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mala Chakraborty. I'm also a student at Centenary University, and I am currently enrolled in the Educational Leadership Doctoral Program. I work as a special educator in a self-contained classroom for students with autism in the Clinton Township School District. I have been working in the field of education for the last 12 years. So Mala and I are here tonight to discuss leadership and share some very successful programs that serve as a prime example of how transformational classroom teachers can inspire educational change and inclusion. We're joined by two guests, Mary Beth and uh, Antonia, who have graciously agreed to join us in discussing the idea of leadership in, spe in the special education classroom and the importance of that concept in creating a culture of respect in which students build connections rooted in kindness and trust. Educators lead by example and are important role models to their students. Critical thinking, multitasking, communication skills, confidence, commitment to the well-being of their students, empathy, and a sense of humor are some of the qualities that define a good educator. These are also the qualities of a good leader. Excellent insight, Mala. And with that being said, um, we've invited our two guests here tonight so they can share their experience as teacher leaders and the importance of the programs they've created in their respective school districts. As leaders ourselves, we realize the positive impact that one can have on student learning when exceptional programs are incorporated and made part of the school culture. Teacher leaders, um, like Mary Beth and Tony, seek to solve problems, and they initiate action and are enthusiastic adopters of positive change. And that just really benefits the entire school community and pushes the district forward to excellence. Amal and I chose to interview these two extraordinary colleagues because they create a culture of collegiality and especially acceptance for all. And that's a culture that embraces the di uh, diversity and it's an invaluable asset to all school districts. It is an honor to introduce both our guests, uh, Mary Beth has been working as a special educator in the Clinton Township School District for 16 years. She was an in-class support teacher in eighth grade math and science for 11 years. This is Mary Beth's fifth year as a teacher in the self-contained classroom for students with autism in the ABA program at the middle school. Mary Beth completed her undergrad at DeSales University. She received a BA degree in elementary education with a minor in special education. She recently completed her master's in education with a certification in autism through the Georgian Court University. She also has a certification in supervision. Mary Beth has created the ambassador program at the Clinton Township Middle School. Our next guest, Antonia Zangara, works as a special education teacher in the Rockaway Borough School District. She is a teacher in the multiply disabled self-contained classroom in the middle school. Antonia has received her BA in psychology at Montclair State University and her certification of teacher of handicapped students from Philistine University. Philistine College. Her classroom is an ABA classroom and her students are classified with autism or other health impairments. Thanks, Mala. So um, I'm going to begin the interview tonight. Uh, good evening, ladies. And again, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Um, the first question in which we're curious to learn more about is, how did you both come up with the idea and motivation to begin your peer leadership and inclusion programs? Mary Beth, if you'd like to start us off. Sure, thanks for having me tonight. Um, in previous years during our adaptive gym classes, the teachers would invite peers to help uh, the students with autism. Not only did this help my students feel included, but it also supported the peers who at times needed some additional support through social emotional opportunities. Last year, the program just evolved week by week. 
One sixth grade student was family friends with one of the students in my room. She brought in friends and soon we had a lunch bunch. One of the seventh grade students was brought to me by the health teacher to begin playing with my students during recess time. After April, which is Autism Awareness Month, other seventh grade students wanted to continue building awareness and invited more friends. The eighth grade students participated in their adaptive specials of gym, music, and art and invited others in as well. The more students that participated, the more ideas I got and the program just expanded. That's really interesting to hear about how, you know, the students themselves were the ones that pushed you and motivated you to get your program started. So that's 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 excellent to hear. I love that. Um, and Tony, how about you? Um, do you share some of the same feelings that Mary Beth does when it comes to this question? Yes, absolutely. Um, I decided I wanted to start a peer group at Thomas Jefferson Middle School because I felt I started teaching there was a disconnect between our self-contained classroom and the rest of the school community. Um, my students being self-contained didn't have many opportunities to integrate with the other students. And when they did, they were kind of looked at as odd or maybe not the norm because of some of their, the behaviors they displayed. I decided to collaborate with our district behaviorist and the guidance counselor at our school to start our peer modeling program or what we call peer group. This would allow a select group of our eighth graders to come into our classroom and work side by side by our students. They would read with them do, um, projects, some cooking activities, even help sometimes with academics. Um, they would model certain skills and behaviors to teach our students in the self um, contained classroom during adaptive period, computers, arts, music, and PE. So both programs, you know, I've, I've obviously I've had the chance to be involved with Tony in our school, but both programs sound like wonderful initiatives, which highlight not only both of your leadership, but also the importance of inclusion in our schools, um, you know, and both are extremely successful. So, you know, you should both be very proud of what you've accomplished. Um, bouncing off that question, the second question that I have for both of you is, why do you think then it's important for students in the general um, in the general ed school population to learn about students with special needs in your class? Tony, do you want to take this one? Sure, Cindy. Um, it's important for general education students to come into our self-contained classrooms because as these children with special needs observe and interact, their peer models are providing a good model of age-appropriate skills such as behavior, play, speech, and motor skills. It is also teaches the peers tolerance, acceptance, empathy for the students. They, um, they have communication and behavioral struggles. They can also bring what they have learned out into the general education population to those students that do not have the opportunity to volunteer in our classroom. So I agree with you, Tony, when you speak about the general education students like learning and, you know, bringing that learning back to the classrooms, um, the empathy that is instilled alone when the kids start working with your class is just contagious. I've seen it firsthand. So it's just wonderful. And um, Mary Beth, you know, how about, you know, how about your program? What do you think is important for students in your general uh, school population to learn when working with your special needs class? Yeah, I agree with um, everything that that Tony said. And it sounds like we have very similar programs, which is great. Um, and I, I just found that, you know, many times um, our students are in the specialized programs are often can be put in the back corner of a building or in the basement. And I think that that's trying to change now in the current field of education, but it's still a reality. So, you know, the students in my classroom need to be exposed to all the opportunities available to them in school. And by the time they reach middle school, the hope is that they have the skills necessary to be part of that community while also developing skills for high school employment and life skills. By being part of the community, the other students are educated about students who have autism. It's one thing to learn through a presentation and learning material about autism. It's another thing to experience and have conversations about my students' abilities and challenges. Um, as one teacher has said to me, it's normalizing some of the behaviors and uniqueness of my students that may leave others uncomfortable. I agree. And, you know, I have to say, I love the inclusive quality that you both have brought to, you know, to both of your school districts, because it's it's made a difference, not only for your students, but for, you know, the school population as a whole. So thank you for that. Okay, Mala, um, 
you're up. So, Mary Beth and Tony, um, hats off to you. Uh, middle school as such, um, you know, when you talk to somebody about middle school, those are considered like the tough years of your school life. So, um, I, I'm really intrigued and I want to ask you, how do you motivate peer leaders in your programs? And if possible, can you share um, a story or, or a success story or, or an incident that, that portrays like how motivation plays a role in creating like a good community in school with um, inclusion in mind? Mary Beth, would you like to take that first? Sure. Um, my years as an in-class support teacher truly helped me learn that middle school mindset and working with teenagers because it is a very tough uh, few years. Through those teaching years, I know what the other teachers expect in their subject areas, the work that is required by the students, and the challenges associated with removing students from their academic subjects. At the end of it all, it's about having honest conversations with peers and developing a relationship with them. You need to listen to them, trust them, and give them the opportunity to grow. But you also need to push them to just be a kid and enjoy life around my students with autism. I think that that uh, was seen in the summer this year, which I would say is kind of my success story. Um, it's the program was clearly fulfilling for the students and for myself. And um, there were so many opportunities in the summer for the ambassadors and my students to hang out at pool parties, at the mall for extended school year. And seeing all these kids find the true joy in each other and be themselves was the result of what was done at school for the few months at the end of the year. Um, I've also had two new students join my program this year, um, and to see the ambassadors take what they've learned and apply it to these students is truly remarkable. All of this is learning in action beyond the academics. It's truly making the world a better place. That's amazing. And, and the fact that you emphasize that it is important for teachers to listen, to understand these students, and not just focus on their academic needs, but also on the fact that you want them to still enjoy and be open to learning new things as well as be a kid because they you know it is definitely a difficult age for them to be at but to also treat them as a kid as well as um, push them towards uh, taking on new opportunities of learning um, thanks for sharing that story amazing one um, tony would you like to um, take on the same question sure how do you motivate your peer leaders yeah, so um, I started um, bringing my um, peers and actually some of my students into the um, generalized classroom when we had um, Autism Awareness Week. Um, I collaborated with the art teacher and we did activities such as videos and crafts, but we also took the time to have the peers talk to the other students about what they did in peer group. And it was helpful for the younger kids to see um, and it was also helpful for them to see um, my students in the classroom setting and some of their behaviors and me explaining some of their behaviors, like their self-stims, um, or some of my students actually have self-injurious behaviors, which can be scary. Um, but once they know what they're doing and why they do it, they seem to have a better understanding um, of it. Um, one of my success stories is with a student that I had that had very limited language. And during his um, like break time, he would just sit and he would just draw and he wouldn't interact with anyone. And one of my peers would come in and just sit next to him. She wouldn't even talk to him. And she would just sit next to him and um, color or write the words he was using. And very slowly, she started um, using language with him. Um, and by the end, they developed like a really wonderful bond and communication with each other with very limited language. Um, it, even though it sounds very simple, it was a very big step for my student. Thank you. That's that is amazing. Um, I, I being in the special education um, a program myself, I can understand for us, the little steps make a huge impact for our students and um, for them to have the ability to trust another individual um, enough to make that effort to communicate um, is, is just um, very um, heartwarming. And thank you for sharing that amazing um, story with us. So um, I would like to um, ask you, when you have these peer leaders come into your classrooms, 
Um, do you train them in, in any kind? Uh, do you provide a specialized training to them or do you go through a certain um, protocol with them? Uh, what are the steps involved for someone to be involved in the peer leadership program? Tony, would you like to take that first? Sure. Um, so we start them off um, coming into the classroom and um, the guidance counselor and myself go over um, what is expected of them and some of the behaviors they might see in the classroom and some of the communication skills that our students have. Um, and then we're always available to them. The problem is we don't have a lot of time to do a specific training. So a lot of it is the hands-on training that they get when they come into my classroom. Um, but the guidance counselor is always available to them as myself um, for any concerns um, that they have or any questions. We also give them some reading materials um, links for like websites that they can do on their own time um, to look up some information. That's great that you have um, support within your school, um, you know, to help with your program um, to enable the students to understand the needs of the students in your classroom. How about you, Mary Beth? Um, I'll agree with Tony that, you know, the, the hands-on working right in the classroom is definitely um, a piece of the training. Um, I'm also planning uh, to do a training um, in the next few weeks since we'll have uh, more than 20 students involved in the ambassador program this week. Um, the training is going to include understanding what autism is, what the schools can provide for these students, discussions about what these ambassadors know regarding autism, and then information about the individual students in my class, which I've received uh, parent consent for. I'll be showing the students the activities from last year and also sharing the plans for this year. I'm hoping to create a contract for the students to sign and develop rules for the classroom, which will also be reviewed. That's amazing. So this is going to be a formal program with like training and protocols. That yes, involves yes. a lot of work. Hats off to you for taking on so, so many responsibilities. Well, I think we have a lot more to talk about, but this is probably a good opportunity for us to take a break. You have been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We will be right back. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. This evening, again, we have a program that's been curated by Mala and Cindy, two of our doctoral candidates here at uh, Centenary University, talking to their colleagues and uh, about special education programs and opportunities for students with special needs. It's an, uh, a great topic, and I'm going to throw it right back to Mala and Cindy to continue the conversation. Okay, so it's, you know, it's been wonderful to hear about the successes of both of your programs and just highlighting what you do each and every day that makes um, our school community so special. Um, but I want to flip the script a little bit, and now I, I'd like to pose a question about some challenges in your program. So, if you had to, if you had to think about it, what would you say has been the biggest challenge in getting your programs off the ground? Um, Mary Beth, do you want to take this one? Sure. Um, other than time, which most teachers struggle to find in their day, the biggest challenge has been getting my colleagues, both teachers and administrators, to understand the complexity and nuances of the program. I tell the ambassadors that academics are the priority but the relationships that they are building with my students are beyond meaningful to them. They want to be in my classroom all the time and I want them there as well. But as is everything in life, there needs to be a balance. The students that come here are not always academically strong. A required GPA cannot be set for this reason. Conversations and planning needs to occur with administrators. Then the follow-through needs to happen with myself, the other teachers in my room, and the students. It often becomes disheartening. Yeah, I have to say, I love the idea that you do not have a required GPA. You know, um, sometimes students need to be involved in different activities and programs for different reasons. So um, I love that, but I also hear that it's probably very difficult, you know, to get the buy-in sometimes from colleagues. You know, we work day to day and even with administration, and it's, you know, it's difficult to get that. You know, sometimes, um, you know, our administrators or colleagues don't want to let kids participate if the GPAs aren't where they should be, but, you know, I think that as educational leaders, we need to come to, you know, an agreement that, you know, that's not the be all and end all, you know, of a child and, you know, what they what they need in, you know, educationally. So thanks for sharing that, Mary, that. 
Um, Tony, uh, do you want to take this also? So what's been the biggest challenge in, in our district of getting your program off the ground? Um, so my biggest challenge is scheduling, um, finding the time to get the students to come in um, the MD room without this affecting their academic classes. Also getting the students to understand that even though um, that my students may act differently, the students were, are still looking for their acceptance. There's not a lot of language. So a lot of times if they're walking by them in the hallway and um, the gen ed peers say hi, my students will walk right by them. So I try to explain to them it's that's not really a negative that, you know, they need to find a way to grab their intention and um, to get them like more involved with them. But my, my hardest thing is the scheduling. I find that to be the biggest struggle. I do accept a lot of kids and I try to get um, the gen ed, especially eighth grade teachers to help me find kids that are struggling in school. Um, because even like if they have behaviors and stuff, I feel like sometimes bringing them into my classroom, it just gives them the confidence um, to build and improve on their behavior um, and to be involved in something that's positive for them. I love that, Tony. And, um, you know, I've, I've gotten the opportunity, obviously, to send a lot of my students over to Tony's pro, uh, program. And, and I agree with you. You know, when we talk about it not just being about the GPA and letting kids be involved in different activities, I think that it's important for the general education students also that are suffering from, you know, different you know, different disabilities of their own and they need to be in different environments. And I think that different things work for different kids. And, um, you know, also I think that it's the job of, you know, the general education teachers, and I know I can always do a better job of this also, of, you know, articulating to our kids that, you know, these behaviors that you're seeing, you know, are part of who these, you know, students are and that reaching out more, or like you said, a simple hi, you know, does go a long way. So I think that's our responsibility also, you know, as general education teachers to teach them that. Thank you, Tony, for sharing that. And bouncing off that question, I guess, uh, my next question would be, what are some challenges you face in keeping the program successful? So Tony, can you share that with us? Yes, um, I'm gonna, it's still my scheduling. Honestly, even now, like the start of the school year um, and just getting my program running for my MD kids and then trying to integrate um, the peers into the program, it just takes a really long, long time. It's really my, my biggest struggle. Um, once I'm able to iron out the schedule, it really runs pretty smoothly. Um, there's been times where I've had some of the peers maybe not showing up, but as soon as I reach out to the gen ed teachers, um, they help me get them, you know, back on board to following their um, peer schedule. Um, you've helped me with that last year, Cindy, a lot. Yeah, I know, Tony. It can be, it can be tough. You know, it can be difficult. I know that scheduling is a bear in our district, as I'm sure it is in other districts as well. And um, then adding the specialized program into just the generalized schedule itself, I'm sure, is is just a monster. Um, and yeah, you know, um, these eighth grade students, sometimes they, you know, have to be reminded that they have, you know, this responsibility and, you know, they have to be reminded of their own schedules and, you know, everybody working together really keeps that program moving. So, um, Mary Beth, how about in your district? What are some of the challenges that you're facing in keeping your program successful also? Um, I agree with Tony about the beginning of the year. I have students constantly hounding me in the hallway or coming into my classroom and begging to get started. Um, and I, there are so many things that I want to do that to be able to try to get started with that while managing the new students I have in my room and trying to get their behaviors under control. It's, it's very overwhelming. Um, and even like I said before, you know, it's time. Um, and then you have the funding, you have administration support and their understanding. And then even, you know, like everybody's excited right now, but what new opportunities do I need to come up with to keep the interest of the peers? There's a lot of unknowns um, that lead to the challenges. I hear you. So it's like an ever evolving process, you know, and I think that that's why, you know, for both of you, you know, your leadership is so important in these programs and not only in our school community, you know, because, um, you know, it just changes the face of our culture. And I think that that's really important. And I hear you both as far as time and scheduling are concerned. I mean, I think that that's always the obstacle in programming. And, um, 
you know, maybe more support um, would would help. But with so many different programs going on in public schools right now, um, it's just it's just difficult as ever to keep things flowing normally. Thank you, um, Mala. Off to you. So, um, like both of you mentioned that definitely there are many obstacles in running a program, keeping it successful, keeping um, the peer uh, leaders motivated, as well as also managing your uh, particular responsibilities um, in your classrooms towards your students, maintaining, you know, communication with parents, and also um, planning ahead, um, looking forward to adding more to your programs. Um, and as leaders, like like I mentioned before, leaders are capable of multitasking. And also, as um, educators in special education education programs, we know that there's never an end to work. There's always a running list of things that we have to keep doing. And um, but despite all of that, a um, hats off to both of you for running successful programs, keeping your peer leaders motivated, and doing such an amazing job integrating your students into the community and um, spreading the word that there are students who learn differently and that um, students in general education classrooms do understand that it's okay to learn differently. Um, so my question is, um, in your journey in setting up this program and, you know, running it uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, do you feel you owe uh, gratitude to anyone specific or a, a group of people um, when it comes to the success of your programs. Mary Beth, do you want to take that first? Um, sure. You know, just as there are many layers to the program, there are also many layers to that success of the program. My responsibility with the program is the background work and then guiding the ambassadors in their interaction with the peers. I teach and they learn. But for me to step back and see the ambassadors take the initiative in countless situations is beyond phenomenal, as well as my students being able to interact with their peers. We are a team and success is reached together as this team. That's amazing. Um, and the fact that you say you, you take a step back um, in the background um, and um, let your students take lead sometimes is, is amazing to hear that, uh, that the background work that you do in order for them to reach to that point to be able to do what they're doing um, is, it, it requires a lot of work and, and um, it's a very modest way of, uh, the way you put it was very modest. Um, it definitely involves numerous hours and countless uh, amounts of planning. How about you, Tony? So I agree with Mary Beth, it does take many layers to run this program. Um, and I owe the gratitude to the whole Thomas Jefferson school community as a whole. I've had the support of my administration, my colleagues, the parents and the students to make this program a success. And without the support and understanding, a program like, like the peer modeling program would never be successful. So I definitely owe it to the whole school community that I belong to. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's amazing. And the fact that, uh, you know, through your leadership, you're bringing together an entire um, team in school to kind of uh, water the little plant that you, uh, the little seed that you sowed and which is now flourishing as a young plant plant um, is just um, so encouraging to hear. And um, my next question, since both of you said um, that, you know, you, you've had the support of administrators and, and other colleagues um, in your districts um, to run um, your program successfully. Um, but definitely running this program requires uh, probably a lot of equipment, material, Etc. Where do you get the funding from these for these programs that you run? Because these are programs that you have established and are running other or separate than your current positions um, in your respective school districts. Tony, would you like to take that first? Sure. Um, so my school is very supportive and um, they definitely um, are funding it for me. Um, I have a lot of materials in my classrooms. Um, also um, donated items from other teachers. I've uh, received some STEM stuff from some of um, the computer teacher where the kids have built um, and put together like different projects. Um, but my, my school is very supportive and I really don't have any problem getting any funding for it. 
That's great that you have colleagues who are, um, you know, ready to share things with you and um, equipment with you. It's, um, I, I'm just, uh, you know, the more I listen to both of you, um, it just makes me feel so happy that, um, you know, you have the support of colleagues and the community within your schools um, that make you feel, that make you motivated to come work and put in those extra hours. Um, uh, how about you, Maribeth? Um, I try to use also what I have throughout the classroom, which can often be purchased through the school. Uh, the majority of the activities and games that I use with the students and the ambassadors, um, I end up purchasing through my own personal funds uh, just because I have moments of inspiration and, you know, to go through the red tape of purchasing things through the district is a lot. And I, I just try to get it and get it going for the kids. So there's some of that. Um, there are some of the students who, you know, bring in items for the kids. We had one student last year um, who loved poppets and a different peer maybe every three weeks or so would bring in a different poppet for her and she just loved it. Um, but you know, as the program evolves, I think it will be important to discuss funding with administration to see if there can be more opportunities for them to support us. But right now, I think we have to prove ourselves and have longevity with the program to show the, the district, the board, how important the program is for all the students at the middle school. Well, you put in your own money into that. That's, that's, it must cost you a lot, but, but you know, as a dedicated professional, I, I understand sometimes I do the same for my students in my classroom. If I need something that's immediate, um, I go purchase it because, you know, waiting to uh, get it funded um, takes a long time. Yes, I do understand the red tape. Um, over to you, Cindy. Okay, so um, I understand that whole concept of having to purchase also, purchase ourselves as educators. Um, you know, we find that, you know, that's part of, that's part of what we do, um, you know, Unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, trying to get different programs off of the ground, oftentimes we do have to buy things out of pocket. So hopefully, you know, uh, Mary Beth, you will continue, you know, to get some more funding. And Tony, I know that our district does support it, you know, but hopefully there's even more funds that come forth in that. Um, so again, the importance of your programs don't go unnoticed, obviously, within your districts, you're both so important and the programs that you, you know, that you offer. Um, Next question that I have is, you know, what do you hope to accomplish with your program? Uh, Tony, do you want to take this? Sure. Um, so I always hope that I will accomplish for my students to be understood and accepted by the whole school community, not just the peers. And um, for the students or the peers that are coming into my classroom, that they would learn um, tolerance, acceptance, empathy, and acceptance of the differences of all students, not just our MD students, but all the um, students in our learning environment in our school, and then bring that out into the community. Yeah, that's great. And when you talk about, um, you know, hoping that your students will be understood and accepted by the school community and even bringing that out further into the community. Um, I'm just curious, is there anything that you do within your school day or within your program where the students are able to go out into the community and bring those skills that they're learning out there? Yeah, so my students, um, we have a community-based program, and once a month we go on field trips, um, and we bring them out into the community to work on the skills, um, mostly social skills, money skills, um, where they go to restaurants. Um, some of them just had to learn how to sit at a restaurant and wait for their, their food. Um, I would actually hope that we can start bringing the peers in to go out into the community with them. That's fantastic. That was actually going to be my follow-up question as I was listening to what you were saying. I was wondering if, you know, that may be part of your program as the program starts to evolve. I think that that would be great for, you know, for both ends, you know, for the peer leaders to get, to get out there and, you know, see how your students are acclimating themselves, you know, and, 
you know, just pushing that tolerance and acceptance and empathy forward, you know, not only with our students, but out into the community also, Tony. So that's great. Well, this is probably a good time for us to uh, think about taking a break here. Uh, you've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We'll be back right after these messages to continue this uh, wonderful conversation with our featured educators. And welcome back to Leadership Matters this evening on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. I'm Tim Fredericks, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin, uh, welcoming our doctoral students and special guests into, into the studio this evening to talk about some wonderful educational experiences uh, for our students, uh, things that are going on right now in the schools. So, Cindy, Mala, take it away. Okay, thank you. Um, so. It was, it was interesting hearing about um, how Tony spoke about uh, bringing her kids out into the community and she has this community-based program and infusing um, the peer leadership program into that portion of, of uh, her particular program, which will be interesting to see moving forward. I know that our kids will be excited um, if that's something that we could actually bring to fruition this year. So um, thanks, Tony. And Mary Beth, how about you? What do you hope to accomplish with your program? Um, I think that any teacher who is in a specialized program wants the same thing because with what Tony said, I would agree 100%. And that's basically, you know, how I look at it. For the students in my classroom, it's about love, acceptance, and security with their peers and in their school community. For the ambassadors, you know, I look at it as understanding love and acceptance of individuals with autism and at the end of the day of themselves because they're middle schoolers and they are questioning plenty. Um, I'm also, you know, trying to revive the meaning of inclusion in our district and not have it be just including special education students in the classroom. Our district at one point used to be, you know, known for its inclusion. And I think because of COVID, and just, you know, changes in education, it's, it needs to be looked at again. And I think that this is one way to do that um, it, because inclusion is, is so much. And, you know, what the ambassadors learn through the program can be carried out into the community like you were discussing. Um, and all you need at the end of the day is one small act with great love. And these are what the ambassadors are doing every day in my program. Well, I love the idea of inclusion that you're that you both carry forth. And I know that in our school district this year, um, we've started more, we've had an initiative where we've started more of an inclusive programming within our general ed classrooms where um, we have special education teachers in our classrooms now, which we had not had in the past, and we're looking at the co-teaching model. So um, just being inclusive in that way has, I think, helped our general population and the culture that's going on in our school district just in this year, you know? So I've seen a difference um, in my classes just within this first month of school with, um, you know, em employing that type of model. So I think it's great, and I agree that the ideas of inclusion and tolerance, acceptance, empathy that we spoke about um, are those in, you know, are those which are important throughout the school community. And your program certainly helped foster those ideas. And, um, you know, at least in our school, that whole idea of inclusivity has definitely fostered out into the general ed classroom. So, Another question then that I have for you, when you speak about what you hope to accomplish with the program, and both of you had spoke a little bit about um, some changes that you're thinking of making or some uh, different facets that you're thinking of including into your programs this year, where do you see your program in the next five years or so? Mary Beth, do you wanna take that first? Sure, um, it's tricky because I think with all the districts that are in the state of New Jersey, you know, you have a few students here, a few students there, and you just never know what the makeup of your classroom is going to be. So I think it's it's sometimes hard to, to look five years down the road. Um, <laughs> many of my plans and ideas are, you know, gonna be what, what will work for my students at that given time. However, you know, the implementation of those plans continues to be the challenge because of the people, the resources, the funding, all the things we've discussed so far tonight. Um, but, you know, I so 
not only looking at five years, just even looking at this current year, you know, um, we're hoping to start uh, the TREPS marketplace for my students. Um, and it's an independent marketing program where students make items to sell and they have to do all the calculations. And I'm really hoping to expand that to our autism program so that way we can continue to raise awareness. Um, and it, the next, the other thing that I would like to look at is, you know, taking the, the students out into the community, just like what Tony was saying, you know, going out to eat and learning to wait for their food and sitting around the peers and, you know, trying to have conversations with their communication devices. Um, and I also, and Mala and I kind of experienced this um, summer, how amazing it can be to let these ambassadors work with the younger students and trying to be role models for the other general education students in the district uh, to show them, you know, what inclusion looks like for other special education students. And, um, you know, we, um, it, it just, I just wanna help the ambassadors become the natural leaders that they really are. And the last thing that, you know, we're also looking to do is with the unified program through Special Olympics, which is used up at the high school and some of those, um, the surrounding districts. So, you know, the, the possibilities are endless. So yes, it's it's this year and it's five years going forward. It's it's a lot, but it, it's just gonna be so amazing, I hope. Well, those are all great ideas and I hear you, you know, um, I know also as an educator, like you're planning for tomorrow, you're planning for this year, you know, sometimes it's difficult to look out, you know, to that broader picture and see what something will look like, you know, in five, six years from now. I mean, especially with a program, you know, like yours. Um, but yeah, you're, you're correct. I mean, the possibilities, you know, that you have and the ideas that you have in mind, I mean, are endless and um, they all seem like great opportunities for just not your students, but your school community as a whole. Um, and Tony, how about you? Um, can, can you visualize where your program is going or where it would be within the next five years? Um, yeah, so right now I think it's a little, because of COVID, it's been a little difficult because I feel like I'm starting off at the beginning again because the last couple of years we've kind of had to stop the program. Um, so I feel like I'm starting at the beginning. So just to get everyone on board, but then to extend it, right now we do it with our eighth graders. I would love to extend it to all grade levels and for them to come in at different times. Um, I would also like to maybe collaborate with the high school to help some of our eighth graders that are going into high school to have peers that would, um, maybe we can visit a few times during the year while they're in eighth grade, but once they're in the high school, those peers will be there for them um, to help support them and help them um, navigate the high school setting because that's gonna be, a, that is a huge change for them. Um, so those would be my, my goals for my students and our peers. I would agree. I think that that would help their transition tremendously. And so, Tony, like we're in a we're a small. Obviously, we're a small. We're a very small district. Um, would you ever consider like branching out with another district, say that's close by us, say like one of our sending districts, such as like Rockway Township or Denville, and um, either finding out more about their programs or melding our program, both of your programs into one. Did you ever think about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think that would be awesome um, just to have the kids um, work together, go on field trips together, um, just to be around different um, students, different types of kids, um, different peer models. Um, I think that would be wonderful, yes. And just as a quick follow-up to that, are you, uh, just because I'm not aware, but are you already in contact with teachers from those sending districts? And like, do you guys pool your ideas together, uh, you know, with these leadership programs that you're all in charge of? Or are you really just, are they all just really independent of one another? They're all independent. We haven't collaborated um, on that level yet, but it's definitely a great idea. I would love to do something like that. Yeah, I would assume COVID had a lot to do with us not being able to collaborate as much as we would want, you know. Um, but yeah, most certainly, I think that, you know what I mean, it's something to look forward to in the future. And and Mary Beth, how about you? Have you, I, I'm just not sure of your, you know, how your district works, but do you collaborate with other districts around you as far as your program is concerned? 
Um, not with, um, so we're, we're a K to eight district. Uh, so our students go to North Hunterdon or Voorhees High School. Um, my students go to Voorhees and the ambassadors actually go to North. So it's a shame because there is a split. Um, but I do get a chance to go up and observe at uh, Voorhees High School their unified program, which I had mentioned, which is, you know, through Special Olympics. And so th that includes uh, sports um, as well as other activities with the peers coming into the classroom. So I do get to see that. And the unified program has a middle school level that, you know, we want to explore. And one of the teachers that I work with has reached out to a Special Olympics coordinator, and he has provided us the names of other districts in the area that are doing it. So, you know, I, I see the I see where my students are going to go, but I now also know that there are other districts at my middle school level. And, you know, to kind of go with what Tony was saying, you know, to, to work together to do, um, you know, like community outings, like to, to help with the resources of getting a bus, you know, it would be great to combine that with other districts and, you know, just new interactions and, you know, really taking the program out into the community. So, yeah, it's... Uh, there, there's a lot of possibilities and, you know, it's, it's, it's communication, uh, which is what we do for our kids all day long. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. I love that idea of that Special Olympics um, program and you reaching out and you getting your students involved in that. And, you know, thinking ahead, Tony, is that something that you may be interested in as we, as we move forward or you move forward with your program? Um, yes, absolutely. I know the, um, I think um, Hills High School does run um, some kind of athletic program on the weekends that special needs um, students go to. So that would be great if somehow we can get together with them and do the Special Olympics by us or, you know, get them involved maybe with the PE teachers at TJ. So absolutely. Yeah, that would be an awesome experience. I agree. All right, Mala, I'm going to hand it over to you now. Thank you so much, both of you, for sharing such um, amazing insights into your program and um, uh, the wonderful experiences um, and the way you've curated a program that allows for so many different um, aspects of your students um, to experience um, communication, um, you know, with peers, um, having models. Um, that they can watch and learn from, and the way in which you've collaborated with your, um, you know, individual uh, districts within uh, your school, and have um, like buy-in from your administrators and um, your colleagues. Uh, a question that um, I have is, uh, you know, if someone's looking into set up a program like your um, we've heard all about the students, the peer leaders, uh, you know, your school, your administrators funding. Um, how do you get or how uh, did you get the parents of your students to buy into um, the concept, the model um, of this of these individual programs that you created? You know, parents with students with special needs um, are sometimes anxious. Uh, you know, they sometimes feel that their children are not ready to to do what you're trying to you know get them uh to do or you know they're scared that being uh, with all other students might not be the appropriate uh setting for them or they're not prepared how do you um handle or how do you communicate uh, with parents regarding these issues mary beth would you like to go first sure i think that um for it knowing your classroom, Mala, and <laughs> the, the younger age group you have, um, I think, you know, I think your, your students, your parents are trying to understand and navigate all of it. I think that by the time they reach middle school, I have the advantage of, you know, them having so many of skills that you've taught them. And I think that the parents are just looking for those social opportunities because they start to see their child interacting and learning how to communicate. So, you know, I mean, thankfully, too, I have some really fantastic parents uh, who give the support and who have naturally seen the progression, you know, during pickup uh, when, you know, they're walking 
when the uh, ambassadors are walking their child out to the car or to the bus. Um, it, you know, it, it's just been, it's been such a natural buy-in. Um, and I think that they see the happiness in their child. And, you know, I think it's hard if you don't have the parents around in the school to see all of that. But I think by having these community opportunities and, you know, with the summer, we had so many parents um, see the possibilities that could exist. Um, you know, at the end of the day, any parent just wants their child to have friends, to feel included. And, you know, that's what we're, we're making happen. So it's, I think it's just a natural thing. Um, and the more we make our program available to everybody, I think the less um, anxious some of the parents will be about having their child with, with peers. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's all working together and, and just exposing all of them to it. Do you mind if I jump in uh, uh, real quick? I, I, I want to uh, let you know, I, I don't know whether you had heard in Hackettstown here where WNTI.org is located, uh, there is a tea room that was started by a mom who has a, a daughter uh, with Down syndrome, and they only hire people with Down syndrome to work in the tea room. And I thought to myself when I when I read about this, I thought this is a really great life skills um, possibility for a school district to uh, kind of give uh, students, not just students with Down syndrome, but but students uh, with uh, all uh, levels of disabilities, an opportunity to practice uh, real life skills in an authentic setting. Well, you know, what a great idea. Did, have you heard about that program? We have heard about um, some um, um, places um, that do hire um, students with uh, disabilities and um, I think it's it's an amazing opportunity for students um, um, in school districts to um, practice life skills. And um, I, I am definitely going to try out this place in Hackettstown now that I come to Hackettstown <laughs> so often. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to, it's called Elizabeth's Tea Room. But I mean, the one thing that I thought of, um, and it, it goes along with everything that you're saying about giving these kids authentic um, opportunities to, to, you know, to practice and learn these life skills. Wouldn't it be great if the school district you know, uh, purchased uh, or leased or rented a, uh, a vacant storefront and just came up with something. It doesn't even matter what, what kind of store it is, right? But just to give those students experience in, you know, running a store, stocking a store, those are types of things that are easily transferable to those students in adult life as well. Yes, but anyway, I think most of the high schools run um, programs like um, the life skills programs that you mentioned. Yes, I do. This one would be taking it a step further, though, and, you know, actually getting them out into the community on a, on a uh, you know, a regular basis where they would be actually working in the store and responsible for things. You know, it, it, it's just also something to think about. But everything that, that you ladies have talked about tonight has really been uh, wonderful. It shows how progressive our schools are and what progressive educators and leaders we have in, in, in our school. So thank you all very much for joining us here on Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. On behalf of Fran Gavin and myself, good evening. Good evening.